Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the very... Wait, there are no ladies here. Gentlemen, welcome to the very first ever Carmudgeon show. No, that's also not right. Third time's a charm. How many episodes have we done of the show? In the past? Yeah. This is the start of 48. Okay, so this is episode 48 of the Carmudgeon show, but the first episode of the Carmudgeon show that's on the Haggerty channel. Yes, it's a new old... No. New episode of an old... No. No. It's still happening. It's still happening. It's a new... It's a continuation. About... We yes, are a continuation Yes, it's a continuation series. about old people complaining about new cars Speak for and old cars. Yeah, complaining about everything. Yes. I mean, if we make it through this episode where you don't complain about a, a Prius in the left lane in your way and have a... Well, I, can feel my, <laughs> I can feel my blood pressure rising. It's a good thing that we have the splatter shield. What did you call it? The, the, yeah, the, the popper the stopper. Popper, popper the stopper. splatter shield. Um, yes. Anyway, welcome to episode one of the Carmudgeon Show on the Haggerty YouTube slash podcast. I'm not good at this. Let's maybe talk right. about cars. Anyway, I am Jason Camisa and this is hyphen. Yes, Derek still. Tam hyphen Still Scott. as ever. Still as ever. Um, um, you have news. We're here. Yes. We're this he- is our first episode in person since oh, summer of 63, maybe? That was, that song was the summer of 69, wasn't it? It was the summer of 69. And I'm not singing it. But no, the, I think the last time we did an episode in person was um, Pebble Beach last year. Oh, that's true. Yes. Um, yeah. Uh, but this is the first time we're in this studio. Yes, we, are, we have a studio. We are in the studio. This is what happens when Haggerty upgrades our lives. And this is where our insurance premium money goes. Uh, <laughs> it paid for that TV and the vase that I put there to cleverly disguise the uh, power cord that we couldn't put behind the wall. Don't worry, the flowers are fake. Shit, they are? Yeah, if you could eat one, it would be fine. I'm not doing that. Um, yeah, so basically this is a show where we continue to bitch about everything. Old cars and new cars alike. Okay, start start pitching. Um, I believe you have an old new no, new old car. No. Yeah. I okay. So on that on that last episode, so I can't do my hand flailing thing because we're on the microphone. And wow, that sounds really good. Should I be closer? Should we? We have an intimate moment here. If you have a, a radio announcer moment that you need, or you could be doing the uh, the trailers, movie trailers. In a world. Where people are old when they're young, I present hyphen. Uh, yeah, so the last episode of the show, I might have confessed that I bought another car. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. And guess why you're saying that? Guess whose fault it was? I'm the father. I don't know what that means, but you incited this. How, here's a question for us moving forward in this new podcast. How do I turn the volume down in my headset? Because this is blowing my eardrums out. <laughs> um, well, maybe you shouldn't talk so loud. Well, but if I if I don't talk so loud, it sounds like shit. So the problem here is we have to like we have a situ- we have to get used to this. I know it's unnecessarily professional, right? How about that? Gone is the Thank the you. two dangly two dangly things from That's our right. ear holes. I, <laughs> I think we should each have like five sets of headsets to make fun of ourselves from the previous. Um, yes. So as um, we discussed in the last podcast, I might have accidentally bought a ninth car, and not nine cumulatively in my life nine presently owned do you know how many cars you've owned in your life no and i'm not telling you <laughs> because you don't know I, it's not really all that many because i'm really no, good because at, you never sell anything right that's how i wound up with nine uh this year is 25 years with the Scirocco and 20 years with the e30 wagon 
So does that include the hiatus? No, I mean it was twenty years ago that I bought it, so I did not have it for two and a half years. I'm coming up on ten years, which is an eternity for me. At ninety four, it's a, a years old. It's a very small portion, sliver of your life. It's true. Ten but years. I on, have a short attention span. The nine sixty four. Wow, that is long. Does that include the hiatus? No. Ten years ago that I bought it. Oh, okay. But you didn't own it for like nine of those. <laughs> no, no, no. I didn't have it for two and a half years. Okay. Almost exactly two and a half right. years. Fair enough. This is also, by the way, by the time this episode launches, will be approximately five years of e-golf ownership for me, which is pretty horrifying. But not the same e-golf. Yeah, this is my second one. But like it, it like this was a whim sort of purchase. I'm like, I'm leaving motor Because Trend. it was free. Well, yeah, I think, I think the calculus on the first one was once I had paid for the lease and and the insurance and the electricity to run it and then subtracted out what i would have spent on gas i think the car cost me eight dollars a month or something like that so it wasn't quite free it was you know including that's including all the mileage you put on it yeah wow Um, so yeah but that uh, that was at least i have this one as a purchase and it's yeah coming up on five years which is kind of crazy and the verdict i'm keeping it like there's no what am i what else am i going to do first of all gas is two thousand dollars a liter or something um gas is expensive all my other cars are broken and <laughs> they're a pain in my ass and i need something that i can park in the city that's little that doesn't break that's not going to encourage break-ins mm-hmm. and it pulls 1.07 g and skip bad so there's that you know a very complete vehicular solution yeah i mean i just had five people in the car the other day it fits i mean i was up front i didn't really care the guys in the back were miserable but in a pinch you can do that it reminds me of the topic about, I mean, you raised this in one of your recent episodes about Lucid, I think, about luxury and mm. what is luxury. Uh, I think I have a different definition to that. I mean, we have an evolved sense or an impoverished sense, depending on your perspective. We're about, evolved. We're both evolved and impoverished. It's a winning combination. <laughs> it leads to ingenuity. Uh, but luxury for you is the e-golf and also a third E30. No, actually, I think luxury was a second E30. All right, so I've been trying to skirt around this. All right, let me let me confess. The third E30, the the latest, the ninth car that I just don't that I just bought is the third E30 that I currently own. Um, so I have the 1993 25i wagon in blue, the blue one, the blue one, and then I bought Beatrice. I did not name her; she came pre-named. Um, but Beatrice is an 89 325i sedan with a salvage title and she's been basically dropped down a flight of stairs hit on every panel not all that hard except for the front um and track prepped mechanically absolutely perfect but visually scarred she's you know, been used lightweight model light paint delete paint delete a clear coat delete for sure um and then dent add <laughs> a lot of a lot of dents and so that is like my rally car slash track thing slash you know beat the shit out of it and not worry about it and then so I was at a uh, Which weekend. is a type of luxury. Oh, it's a huge luxury. We should get back to that because that's actually the best, the biggest luxury in the world. The third E30 that I bought happened while I was spending the weekend with a bunch of friends um, at a house for someone's 95th birthday. And who was like, oh, let me take out my phone and be like, oh, there's a guy that I work with who's selling his E30 and you should really buy it. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And he's like, yeah, it's Jewish racing gold. So it is a 1991 uh, not bronze it. It is a cashmere beige 325i sedan. What do you mean? Eh? They're completely different colors. They look One, the same. No, bronze it is like a brownish Jewish racing gold. And uh, cashmere is pink. There's like, it's got a violet tint to it. So actually I call the new car rose gold. 
So her name is Rose. So I have the wagon, I have Beatrice, not I have Rose. No, not pre-named. Because it's Rose Gold, kind of. Anyway, so that this one was a defensive purchase because it was for sale and I really don't want it and I don't need it and I didn't want anyone else to have it. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> well, using that logic, you, could, you probably have other car purchases in your future. Yeah, probably. But no, it was just too nice. I remember I saw that car at ECME when... I don't know, a year ago or whatever, I was driving by and I'm like, oh my God, whose gorgeous E30 is that? Turned out it was one of the guys that works there, it was one of the techs, and he was now selling it. And so to make sure that no one else got it, I bought it. And? Haven't touched it? Mm, mm, no, I've touched it. So <laughs> what your lovely coworker didn't tell me was that the real reason he was selling it was he'd spent four years daily driving the car and couldn't figure out what was wrong with it. And then turns out as when i looked through the records that the previous owner had spent two or three or four years also trying to figure out what was wrong with it and couldn't and so basically what i've signed myself up for is a project it's a puzzle if you will you love those i do i really do i honestly i mean that was part of the reason i bought the car it's like okay like i want it i don't want anyone else to have it it doesn't run right and it hasn't run right for like four eight or ten years or something but it's fine except it idles like shit and it's slow like dumb slow and it, it you know normally like if timing's off for example if cam timing is retarded you'll see that it'll be very cam timing is the opposite of ignition timing so it'll be very strong at the top end but weak down low for example or if ignition timing is retarded then it'll be you know strong up top it, it, this car is just slow everywhere but it has perfect compression and no leak down so i'm going to embark on a possibly multi-year journey to figure out why this thing just doesn't run right and idles at 550 RPM, which is annoying because it's a computer-controlled idle, and the computer is not complaining about anything. It's like almost like the computer doesn't care that it's running 400. And it's on multiple ECUs, right? Yeah, You've two had different ECUs. different ECUs, and the problem persists. I haven't done that, but the, the both of the previous owners have had multiple, like in the stack of receipts that's approximately a foot tall, multiple ECU swaps. And I sort of am talking, the, the guy who sold it is actually really super nice. Um, and he did disclose everything. But as we've been chatting, as I've sort of going down the list of things that I thought could be wrong with it, and he was like, nope, did that, nope, did that, nope, did that, nope, did that. And he's a mechanic. He's a Ferrari mechanic. So, of course, he's seen broken shit in his life, right? Especially um, with dodgy electrical stuff. Yeah. But Speaking he, of unluxurious. Right. But So I'm going to find out. I will find out. I will make it my goal to make Rose Gold not be slow. What's the uh, remaining frontier? I'll probably have to do a motor. The whole motor. I mean... But it has perfect compression and no leak down. Something's up. Something's up. So, you know, I'm, I'm starting sort of at the beginning. I check timing. Now I need to make sure it doesn't have like the wrong cam in it or something because the timing is apparent based Maybe on the timing marks. it has an Etta cam. It could be, except it still pulls all the way to 6400, whatever the rev limiter is. And it, but it's slow the whole way there. So it's not like it, if it was an Etta cam, it would be really Stop slow down 4, low. Yeah, and it would run out of steam. So I'm going to dyno it. So that, that may put some shed some light on it so i'll dyno it and i'll put a wideband on it so i can see what the mixture is from idle to redline and then i know okay maybe it's just not getting enough fuel because their fuel pressure is not, not right on. there's i think i think what's happened is basically there are multiple layers of things that have all gone wrong and people have re, re, replaced sort of one thing at a time and haven't found the problem because of it so my plan is to just replace everything and if that doesn't work i'll throw a fucking motor at it but i don't want to throw a motor at it right away because it does have an a slight oil leak down one of the valves but but i don't 
So it's going to need a head one way or another, but I don't want to throw a motor at it only to find that the new motor has the same problem because it's a wiring harness issue or something else. So in the meantime, this is what you've signed yourself up for, which is, you know, is looking at another frigging car in my garage that's broken. Mm -hmm. The opposite of luxury. It's really pretty. But Beatrice is luxury. Okay, to your point. I did this episode on the Lucid Air, which is, you know, the company set out to make the world's best electric luxury sedan. Okay, I define luxury in that video as a car that does more things better than any other car. Fair enough. That's one definition of luxury. I think that's the definition Mercedes-Benz was using when they invented the 6.3 also. Oh, really? In the late 60s. If you think about it, right? It does more things better than most other cars. It was more performant yeah. than like, you know, it was, it was 9-11 level of performance. It did a lot of road holding, you know, more than 0.8 Gs in the 60s. Which no, is, really? I think so. Wow. Um, I think it was over 0.8. And when a Carrera RS was 0.91. Um, a Carrera, the, the actual race car was 0.91. Like a street car, mm. but the homologated street car. Um, so it could handle reasonably well. It was fast. It was performant. It... Uh, Certainly, it was luxurious in the luxurious sense. Yes, you know, and, leather and wood. Uh, fuel was free, and so there was no annoyance associated with that part of it. But anyway, hmm. yeah. So the, a somewhat timeless definition of luxurious. Luxury, yeah, the Rolls Royce definition of luxury. Yes, except for the carpet. thing about Rolls Royces is that you never get where you're trying to go because things keep decomposing while you're driving the car. <laughs> it has failed to proceed just one more time. Yes, uh, I think that's actually the language they use in the driver's yeah. handbook for those cars. You know, well, deal, I, that could be the dealers don't. The dealer, like you walk into a dealership and you complain about your car. It always says customer states that blah, blah, blah. You are not as a service advisor or at least weren't in the day from what I've been told, not allowed to say the car has broken down it has failed to proceed official term yeah like horsepower is adequate they never gave horsepower number this is merely adequate um but anyway to your point beatrice which is the bronze it well she was bronze it used to be bronze it sedan that is a luxury because i can park that thing anywhere don't have to worry about it you could even park it on its roof you could park it on any side i don't want to park on its roof i like it i don't want it to go away but i don't have to worry about somebody door dinging it because it's Predicted. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so there is a freeing thing to owning a shitbox. That's a luxury. Uh, my, I was, well, now you're just called my GTI shitbox. Um, in the sense that uh, that car is very luxurious for me to own. So I, I was thinking about this the other day. I'm very fond of that car. And uh, I have dailyed a number of different things over the years. And I think that this might be the best daily driver that I've ever owned. Yes, I know. You told me. So I told you. This is. This I is, tell everyone this. Yes. Um, You're not going to beat a, a GTI as for an enthusiast as a daily driver all rounder. Yes, and it, it. I guess it's also the convergence with like it's reasonably economical, which at a time like that, nothing goes wrong. Nothing goes wrong is the part that's really luxurious about it. Can it hear you saying that? Because it's parked right over there. You, yeah. you don't. You don't want to piss it off. Well, I mean, whatever it is, will be comparatively minor for some of the other things that I have daily driven over the years. I mean, when I was a child uh when i was like a, a teenager or a young adult the things that i daily were always like at least as old as i was which is saying something <laughs> um when i was 18 i drove 90 year old cars um right yes of course uh so 
And then you're just like, well, whatever. I'm going to buy a car that I can afford and it's fun and whatever happens along the way I'm going to deal with because at least I have a car that's fun and it makes me happy. And so like, you know, my first five series was like that. And the first the first 911, which was $19,500, which was a big pile of money back then, but is nothing for an air-cooled 911. But I, then I would just put up with whatever came with it because you're young and you're like, whatever, I'm driving a car that's fun. And now as I get older, I'm like, I don't want that bullshit anymore. Really? I mean, I feel like not for daily with, transport. Oh, fair enough. Because I was going to say, I feel like you deal with so much shit with your old cars that how could you care about anything going wrong? But I, this is why I have an e-golf. I just want one car that starts. Yeah. I hit the button and then I don't even have to warm it up. I just lay tire out of the driveway. But I, yeah, no bullshit. Apple CarPlay, good headlights. Yeah. The heated seats. <laughs> it's It's very luxurious. And then the worst thing is if you try to get any kind of daily use out of something that was previously expensive but no longer is mm. uh and so i went through this phase i think a lot of enthusiasts can relate with this where it's like oh yes i'm gonna buy a e38 740i mm. you know that's valley a recipe pan for gaskets and uh electric water pump like i didn't even know there was such a thing as an electric water mm. pump until i bought an e38 740i and tried to daily drive that and then the L322 Range Rover, it's, oh, it's $13,000, you know. What with, could possibly go wrong? With 40,000 miles. Seems like a great idea. That was well, false. Would, no, it would be a great idea compared to buying a new one and paying the depreciation. But your the thing, your choice is to pay $1,000 a month in depreciation or $997.52 a month if you're in lucky, repairs. If you're lucky. I've said this to people before. When they ask, it's like, whether they should, it's like do you want to pay the money on maintenance or depreciation? Yeah. Lease a new one. Because yeah. at least you'll get a loaner car while, you, while your Rover's broken like seriously um and then what else the the e500 wagon that was fine it wasn't very economical but it wasn't fun the gti really excels because it is fun and so for me the idea i mean this is the sort of every person's definition of luxury is that not that it's not a rolls royce mm -hmm. uh at least from my perspective as much as i would like to own one of those things but these things are a little bit like um integrales it's a great seventh or eighth car mm. uh but rolls royces yes yeah yeah, but if you want to use it to actually get places, you need to be made of money. Yeah, that's why the S-Class exists. I mean, that's for people who want to be coddled like they're in a, in a British luxury car, but actually make it to their destination. As long as you spend <clears throat> enough money on it on a regular basis to keep it that way. right? The hierarchy is that Italian cars are never reliable. German cars are reliable if you spend enough money on them. Japanese cars are reliable unless you spend a lot of money on mods. Oh, that's true. Right? I mean, yeah. otherwise, it's like... You're not going to break a, you know, stock Toyota Camry. Yeah, or even a Lexus LS. Mm -mm. No. As far as I know. Matt Farrow proved that. He bought a, you know, he's got a million... Had, sold, I don't remember. Had a million mile Lexus LS. I think the motor was still original. I think the tranny went at like 900 or 800,000 miles. Who knows? Everyone's going to yell at me and I'm wrong about it all. But um, but I called... Look, I called my first e-golf when I got it. Like, it's like my mini Rolls Royce. It just... It was quiet and smooth and cushy and did everything i needed to do and of course i ruined the new one with big wheels but you know oh and from an efficiency standpoint well from ride quality efficiency i mean i mean i have the same size wheels on my gti i don't find it to be objectionable in terms of ride quality it's not but the, the 16s that i had on the <laughs> that came on the original the e-golf originally i could run over your gti <laughs> like i wouldn't even feel it and so going from 16s to 18s is definitely a decrease in ride quality and I have to watch, like, you know, if there's something lying in the middle of the street, I have to, like, swerve around it. I can now swerve around it. That's the other part of it. I took that to an extreme with my e-golf. I did manage to 
burst a sidewall on my yes, heat. <laughs> I mean, I. It was it, a very, very, in your defense, the guy was big. <laughs> and, you know, he became a large speed. He was pointy when I hit him in the right, just the right angle. Hit a cross, hit a cross around his neck. And that, that was the reason why the sidewall was punctured mm-hmm. in this incident. So if you don't run over pedestrians, you're fine. Men of the cloth, yes. <laughs> um, yeah, so your GTI. Let's talk about this because this makes me happy. Uh, it just, I mean, for me, it's the fact that it can so seamlessly transition between a bunch of different personalities. Like, it's completely effortless to drive at at any speed, like, if you don't want to do anything. But at the moment where you're like, this is a maneuver that requires the ability to do a, a lot of lateral acceleration, or you're like, oh, I've caught the light just right, and this is a turn that requires a four-wheel drift, then, like, you know, the car is is really ready to do that. And the daily that I had before this was the E500 wagon, and the E500 and I had, like, all-season good years on it, and lots of sidewalls, and it just... You know, it was. Ne- I would take it to the limit, but the limit was too low, and it was sort of unwieldy in that situation. And the GTI just it, it carries stuff, and I can I like I used it to move, and it carries a bunch of stuff inside of it. Like it's just such a well-rounded, complete solution. And it's like, what else do you buy in exchange? It's kind of like the conversation you were having with the previous owner of your E30. He was selling it to buy ostensibly because he couldn't figure out what the problem was, but so ostensibly to to find a, a contemporary, reliable, like day-to-day car. And we were having this conversation about, like, what uh, what do you replace this thing with? And I was like, oh, well, it's obviously it's a GTI if you have any enthusiast leaning. But if you don't have, I mean, otherwise, what do you, what is the alternative? I mean, an to a GTI, there is not. I mean, over a Mark 8 right now, I'd buy a Veloster N, Hyundai Veloster N, because it's more fun. And, and I can't deal with the infotainment system on that Mark it has 8. fewer doors. It's stupid. If we just got the i30, which is the so the the Veloster is basically the Scirocco, the sort of usability challenged high style version. I'd rather just have the i3, uh, i30. If that if we had that car, I would probably buy one. Um, right. It's a riot. It's but, like the full on hatchback, mm-hmm, the hatchback with five seats, real usability, real real trunk space. Um, plus that's you know stupid steering, stupid motor, backfires out the exhaust. It's so much fun. Right, so the GTI comparatively is a little bit more sober and serious right. and just sort of adult and German. But I would have taken a Mark 7 or 7.5 over the Veloster N. And so that's why, obviously, you know, I, all, my, all my friends drive Mark 7s. It's pathetic. I mean, everyone does. But there's a, there's a reason for it. You know what the biggest problem with your car was? You fixed it. Well, I have two ongoing complaints about that car, two things that I would still change. Okay. Uh, they're not very interesting. Mm. One of them is it needs a bigger fuel tank. Um, or you need to stop driving like an asshole. No, <laughs> it gets thirty-five miles per gallon on the highway. Uh, yeah, I got I got thirty-three See? today. Okay, yes. I bought I bought fuel immediately. Got on the highway, drove here like a saint, and then so thirty-three, and it's got what a thirteen-gallon tank, thirteen-seven. Yeah, I don't know. It's uh, I have noticed that since I have started using cruise control instead of driving Conbrio on the highway. <laughs> Uh, that, yeah, the range has probably gone up by 50 or maybe even 100 miles per tank. Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, Anthony, my director, drove his from L.A. He has a 2017 Sport, and he drove it from L.A. to New Jersey. And I think he got, I think he averaged 35 miles per gallon. Pretty efficient. Um, okay, so you want a bigger fuel tank. I want you a want bigger fuel tank, more? and I want more compression braking. I don't know what it is on that car. So, I mean, you know, some cars for the EPA tests are actually tuned to not have compression braking. So when you lift your foot off the gas, what they'll do is they'll cut fuel, but then crack the throttle open um, and change valve timing so there's a ton of overlap and stuff. So just... To reduce resistance. Yeah, because if you, in, in the EPA test... Coast down. You, yeah. 
You, you don't slow down as much if you don't have engine braking, and therefore you don't need to spend the gas to speed back up. I hate that. I do too. But it drives I'm, me absolutely insane. But you have a 034 Motorsport tune on that car. I do. You no longer have a warranty. You just admitted that. <laughs> so you do. I wonder if they, did that change anything? No. Okay. So we're going to talk to our friend Nick from 034 and see if he can change that. I, I really enjoy compression braking. I don't know what it is about me as a driver. Yeah, it's because your other car's a Mura. You have 12 pistons that are compressing. Not to mention a fairly stout compression ratio. Yeah. But every car that I've, like every manual car that I have driven on a daily basis, I have not had that complaint about. Okay. Actually, that I've owned. Every manual car that I've ever owned, except for this one, I've not had a compression braking complaint. About. Which is crazy because this probably has the highest compression ratio of any car you've ever owned. Yes, modern electronics being all that. But the throttle probably moves in ways that I'm not trying to have it move. I wonder if that can be fixed. See, my other complaint about your GTI is that something you actually addressed part of it. Which so is the understeer thing or the civilization of the powertrain? No, the powertrain's quiet. I mean, you said earlier that you had... Well, why, don't I, you, why don't you confess? Uh, so when the car was stock, I have definitely popped the clutch out when I thought it, the engine was off, but it was on because I didn't know it was running because I'm an amateur. He's old. I'm, can't I'm, hear it running. Oh, it's true. No, but it's silent. Yeah, it's very, very smooth and civilized and quiet. And like I, the car makes this annoying beeping when you open the door to tell you that if, if the car is in gear to tell you that the engine's running. For good reason. Yeah, because you can't, you can't, you can't tell that the engine's on. So you can't hear it and you can't feel it. So the thing needs an exhaust badly. And the best solution was Anthony, the one who drove across country, sawed off his rear muffler and just had a muffler shop mock up two pipes that sort of followed the same path with tips on it. It looks factory from the outside. Sounds amazing. Really? But yeah, especially if you, if you do that like full boost, full throttle, lift off at like 4,200 RPM where it goes and like sends fireballs down, like genuinely loud enough where people run and scream, but it's not boomy and it's it sounds it's good. It's not boomy? No. Because that would be the thing that I was complaining about is. Sixth gear under, if I remember correctly, sixth gear under like 62 it, like from 54 to 62 is a little bit boomy. So you just go to fifth. And it wasn't bad at all. And the other thing is there's no vibration. So the thing... Cast like, iron block. Well, balance shafts, good design. I mean, all of that. So the, 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 the big difference for me between a Civic SI and a Civic Type R is the mounts. In a Civic Type SI, you get it and you start it and it's just... And it just goes away. And the Type R buzzes. The whole car buzzes. You feel the engine in the steering wheel. You feel it in the shifter. You feel it in your ass. You feel kind of everywhere. And you fix that in your car. Um, that was also zero, zero three four. Yes. So yeah, you get in your car now. It's a dog bone insert. It's like twelve cents, right? It was like forty dollars or right. something like that. Yeah, totally. I cannot believe the difference that makes because now all of a sudden. Even though your car's still quiet, you can't hear it. You can feel it. So yeah. you feel the revs. It's like an exhaust system just for yourself and no one else. Well, it's like the, I was just in an S-Class Mercedes, speaking of luxury, and it has ass vibrators that, for the stereo. So it's I, I, they call it 4D sound. And you can turn it up and down and whatever. And it's it's just a vibrate. It's, you know, it's, a, it's a basically a sub-subwoofer that's in the seat. Oh my God, the difference it makes. So you're not abusing your ear with like a big bass hit. But every time there's a bass hit, you... Feel it. Awesome. And that's the this same is thing. like the list of things that Mercedes adds to cars where you're just like, what? No, this is one of them that I thought, what? Well, Until no, every, in the car. every so often they do get things right. If you go back to the 70s and 80s and stuff, Mercedes keeps adding weird stuff to S classes. And mm -hmm. you're like, at the time, they're like, this is weird or hokey or whatever, like the smells in the cars, mm -hmm. like in modern times. And then 
you know, a lot of the stuff ends up being very mainstream. And so, it, you know, it was probably heated seats were thought of as being gimmicky when they appeared in the S class in the seventies. After they appeared in the Saab 99. Uh, is that the first car? I think so. Yeah. Then it also feels like something that the Americans would have invented in the 1950s, but it probably would have caused like Ca- a fire, a fire. <laughs> third degree burns, <laughs> third degree burns, grill marks. Well, this is, we say this all the time. The American, like we as a company, as a country dream up all this amazing stuff. It doesn't work. And so we say, forget it. The Germans figure out how to make it work. They make it work, but it's unreliable and expensive and complicated. And then the Japanese are like, oh, well, we could just eliminate 99% of those parts and it's Still perfectly reliable. And cheap. Yeah. And so yeah. That's, so like heated seats and like airbags and I don't know what else did airbag most? was like seventy seven or something for S class wasn't it super early I don't know I've definitely seen them in early one twenty sixes I don't know if I've ever seen them in one sixteens really they were available one sixteen so was ABS ABS in one sixteens yeah so there's all this stuff where they use the S class to pioneer new technology and at the time you're like oh is this is this gimmicky or is this actually cool and you know there's always going to be old people in the room who are like that's dumb like in my day we yeah, in my day, we died like men, you know, no airbags, whatever. Uh, Bludgeoned and by a steering column. Exactly. Pierce, pierce through the most important organs. Uh, and no, we steering columns never aim down there. Um, we should do an episode on this. Te- technological dead ends, like things that, mm. let's do a list of things that Mercedes pioneered or somebody pioneered and that seem stupid, but were actually amazing or vice versa. I have a great book um, about... Bella Bereni, I guess, is the guy who if, uh, pioneered all the safety technology at Mercedes. Mm. Great book. Uh, people often ask me for book recommendations. Here's one. Uh, I don't know who it's by, though, or what it's called. So not the most useful. Thank you for that. <laughs> yeah, super Amazing valuable. But here's, while we're on books, I have to apologize again. I still haven't read another page of the PH book. Well, this episode's going live the same day that the last episode does, so I should hope you haven't read any of it since... So we're not supposed to tell them these episodes were like a week apart because I was here until midnight hanging that fucking television. Is that why it's crooked? <laughs> no, I paid a guy to do that. It would have been, it would have fallen to its death. If I had, had you done it. it. Yeah. yeah. Um, I did, however, come up with the flowers and the disgusting helmet to block the It's beautiful. Uh, spectacular mm-hmm. decor. I love what you've done with the place. Thank you. Um, technology. Oh, dead end technologies. Dead end, yeah, cool. the, the autotronic eye which is a thing that used to sit on the dashboard of Cadillacs in the 1950s and I think dimmed your high beams. Twilight Sentinel, which was Oh, in the 80s, yeah. yes. 70s too. 70s? Right? We're not going to um, do this. There's a whole episode on this. We're talking about luxury today. Last one, V864. Um, but a lot of these things have come around again. Mm-hmm. Uh, now that they could... Yeah, V8. Uh, uh, diesels from GM. Uh, <laughs> there's um, a whole episode about the terrible V8s, diesels... Uh, I've still never been in one of those cars. I haven't either. The but ultimate I'm very luxury. Interested. I'm buying a Cadillac. It's a diesel. It gets 22 miles per gallon, in it, and it goes 31,000 miles on average before the engine blows. Mm, 31's a lot. Sometimes you could get there on like 18. <laughs> uh, I mean, spoiler alert: they didn't use strong enough head head bolts for those. Is that what the problem was? Th- that's one of them. I mean, uh, it's amazing that. They- and they would stretch out and then replace the head gasket and then not the head bolts, and then they'd be like, "Oh, it failed again for some reason." I guess that's what happens when you start out with an engine that's designed for seven and a half or eight to one compression and give it 22 to one compression, uh-huh. uh, which is why the VW motors are so stout because they, they started went the out other way. Diesels. Yeah. They yes. were built for 20 something to one compression and then given 10. Yeah. So, um, hmm. uh, features that have persisted, uh, some that have come around again. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, I guess what remains to be seen is whether the ass vibrators in the, uh, wow, wow. Word choice. It, um, <laughs> the, the vibrators, the, the, 
So what a way to introduce yourself to Haggerty, Derek. Sorry. The first and last episode with Haggerty. Um, you have to find another sponsor here. Whether the, the, um, whether that's something that persists or whether it becomes like a funny dead end. So look, E90 BMW 3 Series had a speaker, it had speakers in the seats and it was, they were woofers and it was, they were placed there probably for a number of reasons, but one of them was so you could boom, boom, but you could feel it. But I think the, my point here is that that feature would, will persist in your GTI. You're not taking that dog bone mount thingy out. Oh yeah. No. Right. So just as an enthusiast, it's something that I will leave in there. I mean, pr the functional reason to add it was that it was supposed to be to reduce axle hop, right? Uh, which is a problem with that car. I mean, okay, here's a question that I have been ruminating on, and I'm sure you have an answer to. You couldn't tell me this in advance so I could prepare. You have an answer, I'm sure. You don't need to do any preparation. Uh, why should someone buy a GTI over a Golf R? Oh, burnouts. <laughs> All wheel drive sucks. You from a dynamic standpoint. From a burnout standpoint. I mean, the whole point of driving a hot hatch is to pull the emergency brake up, which also you can't do with these stupid fucking latest e-brake electronic things. Oh, Yours yes. is a real I don't one. Have that. Right. You can pull your emergency brake up the and e do a first, does. second, third gear burnout in that thing with static, two, yes. not moving, engulfing the entire neighborhood in smoke. And that is the whole point of a hot hatch. There's also a mosquito in here. Well, we had a visitor last week. I had a visitor last week, I guess this week. It's no different. Um, there has to be a more complete answer than that. Why is it? All right. The, do you want me to put my journalist hat on, my idiot hat on for this? Are those not the same? No. No, professional idiot is the, the idiot who does burnouts so big that you co uh, he covers the entire neighborhood in smoke. And they, the journalist is, I don't think the price, um, I think the price point of the Golf R is too high for what the car is. And I've often said that the Golf is the best $50,000 car you can buy reality-wise, when you start looking at $42,000, $45,000 for an R, it just stops making sense. At that point, especially when Mark 7 came out, you could have just gone and bought an E90 335i X-Drive and had a slightly larger, more sophisticated car that with a better, all, far better all-wheel drive system and a yeah, really, really good motor. The tow truck incidents would be really high. Yeah, but you lease it for like $68 a month. I mean, that was always the thing with BMWs. They subsidize their leases to the point where... Right, for, so they can stay competitive in the sales numbers right. war against Mercedes and Audi. Which they now all have lost to Tesla. But, you know, you could you could really get... Uh, Golf R was like $700 a month to lease when a 335i was like 500 And so it's just stopped making sense. Um, I don't love the Golf R for that, but I, I just don't... Unless you need the all-wheel drive. If you need the all-wheel drive, sure, get it. But I also didn't love that engine. It was much laggier than the GTIs. Oh, uh, because it's the same displacement with a lot more bigger, power. Bigger turbo. A bigger turbo. Yeah. And, and it had gearing that wasn't really suited to the engine. So it was actually too short, which I never say. Um, but it had a limited power, power band and short gears. And like second gear maxed out at 56. And with a turbo that takes forever to spool, you don't want to shift constantly because you're coming off boost and you got to wait again. So you're better off having slightly longer gears. I don't, they were fine. Why? Why? Why have you been ruminating? Oh, uh, because I have been doing involuntary burnouts. Oh, <laughs> I have trouble putting power down in the GTI. Yeah, and I was like, wonder if this problem it. would be solved. Flash yeah. it so you can turn the ESP completely off, especially while you're moving, and fucking lean into it. Well, sometimes I just want to get off the line and I can't put the power down. It's it's not the best at getting off the line in a hurry. No, especially up a hill in the rain and whatever. Yeah. But here's the thing. Make enough noise, and the car next to you will just take their foot off the gas out of fear, and you'll win the way, win the race that way. I mean, it's not always you don't always have to win the race with horsepower. You can fuck with the other cars on the road. 
Yeah, I just, after experiencing something like the motorcycle or an electric car, well, not an electric car with, that doesn't have four-wheel drive. Yeah, but like a Tesla. Yes, like yeah, a Tesla, where the way it's just like this immediate responsiveness where sometimes I, I'm used to being able to sort of out-drag anything on mm-hmm. the when I'm in a hurry to go somewhere uh, and not being able to do that in the GTI because I can't put down the power. I mean, this is, a pro- this is a result of me having given it too much power in some sense. Yeah, you chipped the shit out of it. Chipped it, yeah, and then used up the clutch. Instantly. Uh, yes. Mm-hmm. All of that's true. Yep. I mean, this is the problem with modifying cars generally. Right. Once you start down this path, then it's the system which was in carefully engineered equilibrium is out of equilibrium because you've given it too much strength in one area and then the other areas need to be brought to ca- catch up. And then it becomes... Sorry. <laughs> A system that was once in, e- once in equilibrium has been brought out of de- equilibrium. De- delicate equilibrium. I meant to say delicate even if I didn't. This needs to be on your 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 headstone. Well, the re- cause of death was a system that was previously in equilibrium is no longer in equilibrium. Yeah, because I am dead. Otherwise known, I died. Yes, a failure Otherwise to proceed. I, f- I modified the shit out of my car and ruined it. Is in wh- how I would say that. You would say a system that was in delicate equilibrium. Is I no roasted longer. the clutch because my my two liter makes nine thousand million pound feet of torque. Yes, yeah. which is great. It's, I really like that. It's characteristic really with the with the tune. Uh, it was an expensive tune. It was four hundred dollars, but I needed a clutch afterwards, and that's the part that made it expensive. Still cheaper than driving daily and daily driving an old car that gets nine miles per gallon right now, or buying a Golf R. Oh, would you actually really do that? Um, I really don't like putting on chains, and if it meant that I could skip chain control when going to the mountains, then it might there might be some benefit to it. I have a better solution. I think the GTI is better looking. Oh yeah, yeah for sure. But here's my other solution. How many cars do you have? Uh, uh, Decline to respond. Okay, the answer to that is not enough. So it's fewer you, than you, actually. Yes, that's the exactly. Actual that's answer. the problem. So my point, my goal is always to make my friends have more cars than I do. So I don't look like the crazy one or the craziest one. So you just buy something with all-wheel drive. I mean, let's be honest. The GTI is not the perfect car to drive through two and a half feet of snow in Lake Tahoe. Yeah, and I don't have a car to drive on Thursdays when it rains either. So that's probably another that a thing. different. <laughs> well, you know, looking to justify buying more cars, right? If it happens to be raining on a Thursday, what am I going to do? You're going to, why don't you buy Rose Gold for me? She's slow. It's not like you're going to get sideways on, on behalf. You can have a beautiful E30. You're already trying to unload this thing? I don't know what the fuck I'm doing in the first place. Okay. Shit that I get from everyone. Where'd you buy three E30? Three of the same car. I mean, okay, two are sedans and one is a wagon, but come on. It's not like one of them is a 320i and the other one's a I didn't think you were actually going to buy it. What the fuck did you show it to me for then? Oh, you should buy this. You know, I have no... Just yeah. to see what happened, right? Why do you ever push buttons in cars and not know what... You know, see what had happened. <laughs> What's the e-brake do? Yeah, I don't know what I don't know what I'm doing with it. It's not like I don't have enough projects. I have eight other broken cars. And a house that's falling apart. And no social life. And, uh, and a really busy This job. is your social life. Everybody's that's getting true. to see it firsthand. Yeah. Now I'm never going to be able to hang out with you ever because we're going to do one of these podcasts a week, I think, is the idea. Oh, yes, that was, again, burying the lead. But, uh, yeah. Oh, was I not supposed to say that? Show. No, 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 but we should have led with that. I think no. that's the... People are always like, when's the next Carmudgeon show? Well, from now on, I guess the answer is going to be next week. Don't promise them that. <laughs> We're going to have well, to deliver on this. I mean, I didn't promise anything. <laughs> we can have legal review what I just said, but I'm pretty sure I didn't commit to anything. <laughs> if legal review is anything that any of us have said here, we're in big trouble, especially when you're talking about, you know, murdering people in traffic and road rage incidents. 
Right, which is very luxurious. Weren't we supposed to be talking about luxury? luxury was that the yes. theme? Yeah. Of, uh, that luxury. Really? Did you you did not see the lucid air when I had it? See, I did not. Change. I did not see it. I just watched the episode. Man, is that thing good? Yeah, it's very interesting because I had at the same time I had the the lucid air and the Rivian R one T that you have seen, you've experienced. Mm -hmm. um, both of those cars are, according to their manufacturers, effectively minimum viable products, MVP. So basically, they're not done. They don't have a full set of features, but it's the minimum amount of features that they think constitutes a car that's saleable right it's so interesting to see the difference between those two companies because like rivian for example the ride ride needs a little bit of work like it's fine it's okay but it's just question for you when you make a comment like that or when you made the comment about how the eqs rides mm -hmm. um to what extent do you think that the average consumer will notice or care when your tits hit you on the chin and give you a black eye it's, you got a problem um speak for yourself Thank you. Um, no, I, I, I think it's it's just one of those things that maybe maybe consumers won't necessarily realize that the car is stiffer or busier than most, but it is tiring. Yes, you know, you just want they won't speak. explicitly notice right. it, but they could. And then Rivian, the problem with the Rivian is that when you go at a higher rate of speed, it lowers itself. So it's got five suspension heights. Lowest, it only engages in if, if I remember correctly, it's like a month ago now in eco mode. It's undrivable. I mean, you are even on a flat road, you're constantly hitting the bump stops, which are not metal on metal. It's not like it's hard, but it's all of a sudden a, a, a pretty big ramp up in damping force or in, I guess springy force. But you're you're constantly sort of hitting down and bottom. But even one setting up in normal driving, not hitting a bump just from road irregularities, you're in the bump stops. Um, you have to go to the sort of normal setting, which it doesn't want to go in at high, like at highway speeds to for it to stay out of the bump stops and still just too busy for a car with a big wheelbase and you know that 7, much mass 7200 pounds i i don't expect a busy ride and so so that that's done but the infotainment system is amazing it's self-driving it's sort of level two autonomous just like whatever. a shocking thing to say from a new car company right. making they, electric cars that the infotainment is good i mean well no tesla's is great tesla is, is great too i mean they're silicon valley they understand in fact, it's not even just Silicon Valley. They are a UX company, right? Their whole point is this is how people interact with it. That's why this, which is nothing more than that. I mean, a screen is a screen can be something that we find so intuitive and usable. And, and that's why we have an iPhone and not a Blackberry, which was far better at typing, which is what you do on a phone. Um, but they, so their minimum viable product is really good in infotainment and self-driving and just core functionality i mean the packaging yeah, of the design detailing yeah. and lucid is a bunch of car guys which i love right so they're all like old bmw guys they race they're like i met some of the, some of the guys on the team were just genuinely awesome cool human beings the car is dynamically perfect as close to perfect as i, I don't I, perfect it's perfect i don't have i don't have a single bitch about what it is okay could it have hydraulic power steering yes and there would be better but it's still like no, not put, in an right. electric car exactly it's just an absurd notion right so it, i mean we're, we're talking install a small internal combustion engine, engine to, to turn the power, power steering, steering pump, pump. Yeah. <laughs> i mean they could it could drive a hydro pump but whatever and it's, it's it is dynamically it's as comfortable as an e-class in ride but then it turns into a porsche tycon in the corners it's genuinely really good so the car dynamic and by the way they're still working on it so while we were there filming they 
they flashed it with an upload with a better stability control calibration, better ABS calibration that like allowed more turn in and like trail braking and then like a stability off mode that would allow drifts. Um, the car doesn't have like lane keeping yet. <laughs> so like the infotainment system, like I give the, the, the video, I give the car an unbelievably good review because software can change over time. This is like the dilemma of the modern journalist, right? I can't, I have to re report on what I see that I know isn't going to change. And that's packaging and the hardware and the engineering of it. But software, by the time the video comes out, they can have 12 different software updates addressing the problems. So what I did in the case of this car was I went and had a three hour download with the engineers and gave a, like a three page list of all the things that I thought were problems. Every one of them they were aware of and working on. So, okay. So the, the UX is like horrendous. Like there's just, it's very, very difficult to figure out where things are. And is it worse than a Mark 8? No, no, God, no. I mean, I would have, I couldn't have done a review of that car and not mention it. No, it's better than that. Okay. But it's just. So horrendous, but not horrendous. Yeah. Horrendous, but not horrendous. But they, the thing is they concentrated on the dynamics of the car because they're car guys. And the UX is like, man, it's good enough. Where the Rivian was like, hey, we're going to make sure the car can drive itself and it's got core functionality that real world users really care about. So to your point, I'm not really sure that most Lucid owners are going to understand that this thing with stability control off doing 1100 horsepower drifts is as, <laughs> as good as a 911 turbo, um, but it's there. Right, for the people like us, we care about such things. I did. <laughs> it's fun. That was I never in my life thought I'd do eleven hundred horsepower donuts. No? Really cool. I mean, have you ever driven it? What's the most amount of horsepower of any car you've ever driven? And you've driven a lot of really fast shit. Uh the Veyron Supersport. Oh, fuck. Yeah. Well, that's not a sedan. It's completely true. different. True. I, that's only it's only twelve hundred. Um I don't think I've driven Hold a on. sedan with you didn't drive a Chiron? No, I've never driven a Chiron. Somebody send us a Chiron, please. <laughs> yes. I haven't driven one either. FedEx, please. Uh, fat, most powerful sedan, probably an E63. Yeah, that's a lot. It's a lot of power. Half. Yeah, I was going to say double it and you're in lucid territory. The thing is really fucking fast. Oh, maybe some kind of Tesla or something. How much does a P85D have? Five, five, six hundred. Okay. I don't so know. Like, I don't know. It's not enough. It's not a thousand twenty, which is the plaid. So I've forgotten about everything else. Right. Yeah. No, the crazy world where, I mean, that, uh, I think the show will be out. Yeah. The show will be out there. But I, I did, we did another drag, another, we have a new show coming out with Haggerty, which is, uh, Camise's ultimate drag replay. I think was the final name we came up on. And we do Rivian R1T versus Ram TRX. Now, Ram has, is basically the Dodge Ram with a Hellcat motor in it. So 702 horsepower on that application. It does 0 to 16.37. So we, we actually test all the cars for that, for that show. So I, I tested it 3.7 seconds, 0 to 60, which is genuinely stupidly fast. Not only is it the, this make it the quickest, pickup, the quickest accelerating pickup truck in the history of the world. Um, I mean, what else is 3.7, right? So we're talking like original GTR, like R35 GTR was around the same speed. So we raced those two versus a uh, uh, Raptor. And the Raptor kind of gets shit on in the video because it loses a whole bunch of drag races, but it's my favorite truck. I mean, that's just, it's really, really good. Um, but the difference between the Rivian and that TRX, i.e. the previous fastest pickup truck of all time, it was like the poor TRX might have not, should have, would have been the same outcome if it didn't even start. 
Like it was just sitting broken down. And then the Raptor is like a whole nother county behind it. These cars are just so fast. And that's yeah. only 835 horsepower, the pickup truck. The Rivian. The Rivian. That's the minimum viable product. So there's yeah. going to be a maximum viable product, Rivian potentially coming down the pike. I think all of the people very angry about Rivian's price hike would say there's going to be a maximum viable price. Um, <laughs> they're going to be approaching that as quickly as they possibly can. Yeah. But it's very good. I mean, so the luxurious part of the Rivian is that it just, it's, um, it's very instinctive to use. The, and it does everything. I mean, it, to that definition of luxury like it has so when we were going down to film that episode i had a mercedes gle 63 amg coupe which is not a coupe it's a it's a stupid x4 style body thing is unbelievable the crazy screaming v8 and just handles well great steering very very nice car and it was packed to the point where if you open any of the any of the doors in the back like you you would have been hit with a crap avalanche. Like shit was packed in and the door slammed really close. Like actually the stuff that was on the passenger side, I had to roll the window down, shut the door, and then pack more shit in it as I closed the window. It was that packed. On the way home, everything that fit in that GLE packed to that point fit in the Rivian without having using to use the Rivian's bed. Just in the front and in the back seat and under the back seat and in the gear tunnel. And, and the thing is not, much, not that much longer than a GLE. Like, packaging is just unbelievable. Right, and quite a bit more performant and very contemporary and well-detailed and thoughtfully executed in terms of UX. It does everything, yeah. It just yeah. kind of does everything. Does one, I can't wait for the R1S, which is the, SU, the SUV the, version. SUV, right. It's shorter. And it's shorter. It's a foot shorter with a 10-inch longer wheelbase, uh, shorter wheelbase. No, 17 inches shorter with a 12-inch shorter wheelbase. Like it's genuinely a lot shorter which makes it more usable in like cities and right more average consumers and less people who are like that's a truck i can't have a truck yep. it's too big for me yeah i can't wait for that that's gonna be that'll be a game changer and i can't believe i'm excited about a truck i can't believe think about what you would have because you drove that r1t and you liked it i did yeah. right then you don't like anything now imagine telling your 70 year old self so 25 years ago that you were interested and in looking forward to driving an electric suv yeah with I mean, yeah, with all that that entails. Right. You would have just been like, what? Ten years ago, you were like, no way. Fuck that. I don't care. You know, I'll do burnouts in my, what were you driving ten years ago? 964? Yes. <laughs> Only just, yeah. Or Carrera 3.2. Are you going to just be that douche that's going to be driving a 911 forever and ever? I think I, if, as long as I can afford to, I hope to always own the 964. I think it's probably the same answer you would give about the Scirocco. No. No, because whether I can afford to own that or not, I will continue on that car. Hmm. Does this mean we're we're stuck? Yeah, it's like no we, new content. We've peaked. <laughs> no it. new content. No new content. No, I have a lot of turnover generally. You do, uh, and so and yeah, your personal life as well as your garage. Excuse me. Um, notice that I did not object. <laughs> I'm uh, waiting for the. I'm waiting for the return. That's not true. There you go. Was, that seemed heartfelt enough. Yeah, good. Um, yeah, I have a lot of vehicular turnover. I mean, I mean it's the, the problem is that I can't afford all the things that I want to own, and so I just sort of try them out one at a time. But it also has given me a chance to speak as an expert on a certain topic because I have a lot of experience with <laughs> different things. You know just how painful an Audi 200 could be and yes. you know, how, what a shitbox an Alpha 164 is. And yes, all of those things, mm -hmm. um, which I honestly knew probably before I bought them, but I had to learn for my first first hand for, for science or similar. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
but yeah, maybe, uh, well, and I, I do think I need to own a 190 Cosworth. Um, that's not painful from your, pers- or that's, in, in, yeah, I mean, it's Mercedes-Benz. Mine just broke, actually. It's very upsetting. Oh, this was probably something that cost $3 or something. I actually like did. It was $3.48. It was a shift bushing broke. How dare it? After 30, how many years? I don't even know. Fair, I can't get 37 years. Yeah, coming on 40. Yeah, yeah. 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 The rubber turned hard and it fell off. Well, I guess it's time to be post Mercedes then. No, I replaced the part. Car's perfect again. <laughs> oh, it. well, another 35 years then. Yeah. You better get one quick before those things become, you know, so old that they're not findable. Or expensive, given the way that the car market is currently going. I think that car, well, I don't know. The, the, the tastes of car, of car enthusiasts are evolving in a way that I'm sort of surprised about. Because it used to be that... Uh, Sedans were never of interest value-wise. Like the, the sedans were not collectible. This is still true of 6.3s, right? A great 6.3 for how significant and interesting of a car it is doesn't cost very much money. Like a superb one is $50,000. And if you look at like what 500E values have done or Lotus Carlton values or, you know, first generation M5, the E28 M5, I mean, and like trucks also, there's all this stuff that historically like 20 years ago, here I am offering the Back when I started doing this. Perspective. But um, yeah, I mean, all this stuff 20 years ago, like you would never ex- expect an old car with, with four doors to be worth anything. But I think that as people who are of the sort of millennial era are becoming or uh, Generation X are buying stuff, you know, they wanted these cars when they were young, whereas boomers didn't want any four door cars when they were young. And so mm-hmm. certainly. Well, I mean, certainly not enough to drive value to the places where they have. I mean, if you I mean, there was you, something happening, there was definitely no value to them. But I'm I not. mean, I just just the fact that a 500e is can be a six figure car now is un just incomprehensible to a person who is driving the collector car value market, uh, uh, collector car market values mm-hmm. twenty years ago. Yep. Because you know, you'd say, "Well, it's a sedan; it's not be worth much." Like a six point three was fifty thousand dollars, and a three point five cabriolet because it's a convertible is. $300,000. And that mindset persisted until kind of the Radwood era, which is the last, what is that, five-ish years, maybe? Something like that. Or so. I think we should hold that for, let's hold that for conversation in, in next week. Okay. Um, we can end our podcast here and uh, and now spend the next week or a couple minutes until we start recording that podcast <laughs> discussing, I'll change my clothes. They're not going to know it's the same You're day. not supposed to show them oh, how shit. the sausage is Sorry, we can edit made. that out. Who's making sausage? <laughs> Um, but no, I think that's an interesting discussion because I have my own theory on why it's not based in any sort of reality or fact. It's just written to piss you off. I mean, it's all instinctive. This is how the world works right now. It goes on the basis of instincts. There are no facts. Come on. We don't need facts. Alternative facts. Alter- no, that was such a good line. I hate to say that. I hate to admit that was such a brilliant PR spin. There are facts and there's alternative facts. No or shit. <laughs> well on that note um i guess we're gonna see everyone in a week all right so you are what's your official name are you derek hyphen no derek tam hyphen scott from ecme derek from ecme ecme derek hyphen 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 isn't that where we've we've ended up does your mom know that i've called you hyphen and that, like the, the wider internet knows you as hyphen uh i don't know you know, I haven't, uh, we haven't talked about it. Can you like TikTok that? You're too old for that. Can you like Facebook that? Like record her on a, on a high eight, like super eight camcorder and just say, hey eight mom, millimeter. I'm going to read to you like 12 comments about me on the internet and to have them all have the word hyphen in and see what she says. I think she'll just be like, that. those people are silly. I, I suspect, but you know, they're disciples. I want to fucking disciples. throw shit. I wanted to be really oh, no. pissed off about it.
Um, Can you give her like a lot of caffeine for her to rile her up? I'm just trying to think about. I mean, so she no, she doesn't road rage, but she does. She did. Can I statute of limitations is elapsed. She did get pulled over for going 120 miles an hour in school zone. No, I don't think so. <laughs> in her uh, in her XJR. No, she so. got pulled over and convicted. No, no, she then got it, out of the ticket. See, then it doesn't matter. Doesn't okay, matter. yes, yeah. it never happened. It was it was a false accusation. Clearly, that's right. Allegedly, going allegedly, 120 <laughs> miles an hour. Now we're yeah. allegedly going to end this episode. I, I want to know what she wants. But we're going to end this episode, and your homework for for a couple of weeks from now is to find out what your mom thinks of the fact that you're you're basically called hyphen now. All right. Okay. I will ask her. Okay. Um, so we're, this is where we're supposed to say like and subscribe, but we don't know where this whole thing's getting published yet. So I bet uh, it's on YouTube. I bet you're right. Or I bet you can go to what website did we get? TheCarmudgeonShow.com. Yes. Yeah. So you can find out all about our show on TheCarmudgeonShow.com. Uh, don't forget to like, subscribe, check out EC Me, uh, which is where that one works, and Haggerty, which is where I work. Um, Haggertissimi. Haggertissimi. And that's also the, the origin of The Carmudgeon Show. Yeah, that we started that when I worked at Easy before they fired me. You fired yourself. Oh, come on. Haggerty just called. Yes. They had a, they had a you know, I thought I was going to get a discount on my car insurance. <laughs> I, I mean, that's very gecko. impactful. Like, you know, I save 20% on your car insurance. I'm like, that's amazing. I can work for the insurance company and save it. Yeah, they can't give a discount. Some insurance regulation bullshit. Oh, well. Guess we got to make podcasts then. Guess so. All, All right, right. Happy trails. Ta.